Hello and welcome to another episode of the Monday Night Wars. It is January 22nd, 1996, and we are live with WCW Nitro at Caesars Palace, Las Vegas, Nevada. We got Eric, we got Bobby, we got Steve, and we got Conan. Conan's crashing the announce table. He's wrestling psychosis at The Clash. Joseph, this is big news. Yeah, much like Eduardo Guerrero that we currently have, this is not the Conan we will come to know and love. We like us some Conan. We do, but this one ain't bowdy bowdy. That's true. We're not there yet. Well, we got a match, and it's kind of an interesting match because we got Ric Flair and we got Randy Savage. For the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, the first match of the night. Man, you never know what's going to happen on WCW. We got a World Heavyweight Championship match. First match of the night. The macho man, Randy Savage, has got himself a harem. He's coming out with all the lovely ladies. He's got Linda Hogan. He's got Deborah McMichael. He's got Nancy Sullivan, otherwise known as the woman. But what happens? Hulk Hogan comes out and he wishes the macho man good luck. But Hogan's always got to make it about himself, right? So he challenges the macho man to a title match. I'm not a fan of that, Joseph. How do you feel about this? You fucking suck, Scott. We're going to have to put an explicit warning on this one, ladies and gentlemen. The last few I put explicit on just because I'm like, eh, might as well. We're just letting our hair down at this point. It's bullshit. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, you're getting wild. I mean, and if you want to hear Joseph drop the F-bomb like 87 times, subscribe to our Patreon and listen to the Royal Rumble chat because he was going off. He had a mouth like a sailor on that one. It's just disrespectful. You could do so many of the exact same things they want to do with Hogan. All the things to save face and make Hogan look like the main eventer that he deservedly is. Without doing all this, I mean, you can get these points across in different ways. And the, 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 we got to throw Hogan out there and they're going to spoiler. They're going to do it again after this match. And honestly, I really kind of like that bit because much kind of calls them out for it. And I like that, but we'll get into that in a, in a few minutes here, but it's just like, you don't have to do these things. You don't have to do them and you could still make it just as eventful. And it would make Hogan a lot more appealing to the crowd, who, by the way, at this point is booing him. I mean, he really is not going over well with the crowd. We we talked about this at the very beginning of this podcast when we first started, that people were talking about how Hogan wasn't very well received in 1995. And I agreed with that point, but I said you could still hear the cheers for him at stadiums. Like You could still hear people losing their mind for him. You're not hearing it anymore. You're actually hearing the opposite. You're hearing people actively boo him in different venues around the country. Well, I think that's an important point around the country because I feel like, you know, WCW has its roots in the South. And there's a different kind of wrestling in the South than the kind of wrestling that Hogan wrestles from, you know, his WWF days and now. And so they, they, they never were big Hogan fans. He was never all that well received in the South. But we're in Vegas. We're in Nevada. And they don't like him here either. And, that, and that's wild to me. 
But let's talk about the match. Okay, so we got World Heavyweight Champion Ric Flair versus the Macho Man Randy Savage, and the title is on the line. Well, they have themselves a slugfest. This is a good match. I like this match. I mean, these two guys, come on. It's going to be a good match. But what happens? Well, Double A Arn Anderson runs in. He tries to interfere. He tries to help his boy Flair keep the title. But if you recall, he said last week, the most important thing for the horseman is keeping the belt on Flair. But he messes up. He costs Flair the title. The Macho Man defeats Ric Flair to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. After the match, well, first of all, eight-minute, 35-second match. After the match, as Joseph alluded to, we talk again. Hogan and the Macho Man are celebrating Randy's win. But Randy says, wait a minute. You're celebrating like you won the belt. I know you like this, Joseph, because I think there might have been some shooting going on here. What do you make of this? You're celebrating this match like you won it. I won it. I am the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Do you understand that? You're climbing around the ring. We've been to hell and back a dozen times. 13 is either a lucky number or our unlucky number. Understood? So good. Look at what Mach is wearing. It's it's brass and black. What a bold choice. And it gets an A+. It's so stunning. The match, like you said, is a lot of fun. Got to be for me. Because it's not the best match these two men have ever put on, but it's a lot of fun. It is continuing the storyline. Bit of bit of a weird choice to have them hot potato the title back and forth, but they kind of do this thing where like, oh, Hogan saved him. No, no, he didn't. And Hogan will say this in the post-match bit, and, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and run into that now. He says that he helped him, and it's like, no, you didn't. E- either A, you missed your cue, because when Arn comes and does all of his shenanigans, Hogan pulls Arn well after Savage has already executed the the steps he needs to take to win the match. So Hogan's really just kind of there at ringside at that point. It really doesn't help Mach in any sort of way. And again, it just makes him look whiny and, and complacent and just, oh, poor me, poor me. It's like, shut up, dude. And I said this a few weeks ago, and it rings true because you can see it so much here. I think Hogan even mentions it in in his bit of the promo. But the fact that his fucking name is on the title is so disrespectful. It's gone through now three different champions. All three have Hulk Hogan's name on the title still. Like, stop it. I mean, I love the match. The post-match stuff, I love Macha's side. I hate Hogan's side. This feels like this should be a Hogan heel turn, but it's not, right? He thinks that this is perfectly okay for a face to do. Hogan ends by saying he's going to do whatever it takes to be the number one contender. I'm sure that means, you know, here here is an alleged, here is some alleged audio from the incident. Oh, hey, Eric, uh, Randy being the world heavyweight champion, uh, that don't work for me, brother. Uh, You got to put the belt back on me. All right, Eric, sure. And that's how it happened. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> it's like both men were in the room. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. That, that that that's something we picked up on our hot mics in 1996 that we had around around the auditorium. <laughs> I said I think I said last week that I feel like we'd be friends with Eric Bischoff, and now you're shitting on my dream. I think Eric Bischoff is a net positive for wrestling. Yes. You know, he, yes. he, 
He made mistakes. They yes. all do. Yeah. But I it's impossible. Look, to be clear, it's impossible to book any company and be in bad a thousand. It's never going to happen. But I think his WCW and the NWO and the 83 weeks that they were dominant changed wrestling for the better. And it's all thanks to Eric Bischoff. But I can also make fun of him from time to time. <laughs> Yeah, and to be fair, he'll make fun of himself too. Yeah, so. yeah, oh yeah. He he talks about. It. I I listen to his podcast, you know, and he talks about things now. And he'll go, "That was the stupidest thing I've ever done." I was an idiot, you know. It's <laughs> like he 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 is his own worst enemy, man. He go he goes at himself sometimes. After that, we got a match. We got another match. We got Dean Malenko versus Brian Pillman. This is going to be a good match, right? I mean, you just tell with these names. So Brian Pillman. He's got a walking cane now, so he comes out with with a cane, but he doesn't really he doesn't use it. But he's got it. You know, he's a wild man. I I you know, I feel like that cane should get used in this match. We'll see. Anyways, Malenko is Dean Malenko. He goes to town. He's a technical wrestler's technical wrestler, and so he he lays in to Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman not having it. He he runs out of the ring. They she chases him around. Blah, blah, blah. Great match overall. But the finish, Joseph, the finish is weird. Malenko gets knocked down. His foot gets stuck. And Brian Pillman jumps on him for the win. What do you make of this? It got a B plus for me. I love this match. It doesn't really do anything for Malenko, to be fair. It's a great competitive match. And it just continues to establish mm. Brian Pillman's loose cannon persona. And this, this persona is getting better week by week. It's getting a lot of fun. It's I don't know if I would say it's getting him fans. It's definitely getting people to boo him a lot, which is kind of the point of it, right? It's he's good kill. heat. He's got yeah. good heat, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's generating it, right? And to be fair, in, in defense of uh, Eric Bischoff and other people, like they, they wanted him to continue because he's doing a great job. We'll get into that a little bit later. We'll probably talk about it in our Clash of Champions because there's, there's a pretty interesting story to go along with that. But he's doing very well. He's doing well with the Horsemen. Flair on his own podcast said that Pillman was too talented and that he, that he should have been a horseman and in WCW for forever. But anyways, so the it, it's a great match. It's a lot of fun. I like the finish. I know it's weird, but it's again, it's going with this very strange gimmick that we've really never seen before. We've seen unhinged gimmicks in the past. But we've never seen a gimmick that is really blurring the lines on national TV between what is real and what is fake. And that is fun. Without a doubt, Brian Pillman is great. We we lose him too young. And uh, yeah, like you said, you, you kind of thought the loose cannon gimmick was a WWF thing, but it it's we are in full force here in WCW, this loose cannon thing, and he's doing a great job with it. He's generating so much heat. He's, you know, his wrestling is great. He, he's a great technical wrestler, but also his wrestling tells a story, right? And that's important to us. Like we like when wrestlers tell a story, not only with the storyline, but also with what they're doing in the ring. And you're right. This doesn't really do a whole lot for Malenko. I don't think this hurts him anyway, because he loses on a technicality split, gets stuck, but it really shows it really elevates Pillman and what kind of a dirty opportunist he is. And will take any, you know, 
unfair advantage to win. I, I thought I thought the foot getting stuck and him taking advantage of it was actually really good for the progression of his storyline. Overall, like like the finish was weird, but I liked it. I think it it progressed a story, and so I thought it was great. And you know what else is great, Joseph? What's that, Scott? At WCW Saturday Night six oh five. Sting and Lex gonna be on it. That's big. Johnny B. Bad gonna be on it. Kimberly gonna be there. And Ming. There's gonna be Harlem Heat. The American Males. What a show. We should watch Saturday night. Six oh five. Big deal. But what what else we got? We got Ric Flair. Ric Flair's not happy, Joseph. He lost the WCW world title. And he's gonna beat up Alex Wright. He's gonna handle it. He's gonna handle his business that's exciting don't you think that's exciting i think it's very exciting are we gonna watch it joseph probably not okay well there you have it <laughs> but you know what isn't exciting what's that scott clash of champions because because they seem to think that the reason we want to watch clash of champions is that colonel robert parker and sister sherry gonna get married i know that's why you're tuning in i'm gonna have a lot to say you know, I was looking through my notes, and I noticed I didn't have a lot of Clash of Champions notes. And now I remember why. <laughs> because I think I probably started watching it, and then this happened, and I just said, I'm done. I'm good. I don't need this. Because I hate this. I hate the Sister Sherry thing. The, the Colonel Robert Parker Sister Sherry thing. I hate it. It's weird. It's uncomfortable. It's cringy. This is not a good time in Sister Sherry's life. I know that. That's in the back of my mind. She, you know, she develops a, a, a pretty serious substance abuse problem, and I think we're in it now. And I, I just, I just don't like it. It just feels very exploitive. And you know, I'm sure it's not WW or WCW's intent, right? But knowing what I know, I didn't like it to begin with, and I really don't like it knowing the background information. You got any thoughts on this, or should we just keep rolling? Well, I know that you love it, and I'm excited to experience it with you. God help us. Tune in for that. That's going to be on our Patreon where, where I scream. God, we, sh we, should, we should do that live. We should just watch that live and just record us watching it as you're just descending just, into just madness. No, louder and louder and louder until it just takes over all the audio and you can't hear Joseph. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to move on. I'm going to cleanse my palate because we got a tag team match. And you know I like me a good tag team match. We got the Harlem Heat. That's a good tag team. And we got Sting and Lex Luger. Not as good as a tag team, but Sting pretty good. Well, what happens? Well, the important thing that happens is that Lex Luger is a bad guy. He, they, they win. And you know how they win, Joseph? How's that, Scott? He hits the Harlem Heat with a roll of quarters. He's a bad man, this Lex Luger. How does Sting not see this? Does Sting know? Is Sting in on it? Whose side is Sting on, Joseph? Tell me about this. Well, first, before we get into the match, something really important we got to talk about, Scott. Do you know what it is? I don't want to talk about it. No, no, no. What do, what do we got to talk about, Scott? What are we what are we, what are we talking about? I don't know. I mean, I think I know, but I want you to tell me because I don't. It's what, it's what Sting is wearing. Oh, oh, okay. 
Where did I you thought you were, I thought you were talking about how Sister Sherry wasn't there, and we were going to speculate on why. And I just don't want to talk about it anymore. No, but uh, although that is an interesting point, because Mongo actually correctly points that out. And I thought, good job, Mongo. That being said, Sting's outfit is blue and gold. It looks great. Gets A+. Plus. It's beautiful. That being said, I enjoyed this match a lot. It got an A- for me. Partly because we don't have a Sister Sherry, Colonel Robert Parker shenanigans going on. And not only is it very well wrestled by all four men, the ending makes so much sense for what is going on in Sting and Lex Luger's story. The shift of Luger truly being the untrustworthy one and no longer it being Sting's integrity coming into question is really good. I like that because I, you, I, you've heard me for weeks say, I'm so sick of everybody saying, is Sting a good guy? Is he a bad guy? We know for sure he's a good guy. We are now questioning Luger, and that's the person we should be questioning because he's given us reasons to question it, and we continue that here. It's also hard to root against Sting, and I and I'm st- and and him staying a clear face while Luger continues to do shady things like use a roll of silver dollars to win the tag titles is, is a really good idea. People don't want to root against Sting, so keeping Luger as the bad guy makes it work. Having him do shady things makes this work. The match itself is good, and it keeps negative focus on Luger while also allowing Sting to look like the resilient babyface because he basically basically wrestles like the whole match, which is a weird thing that keeps happening to Sting. He keeps wrestling matches, like tag matches, where it's like him and somebody that you probably shouldn't trust, and that person wrestles like 15 seconds of the match, and Sting wrestles like 30 minutes of it, and by the end, he's just gassed, and it's hilarious. Sting's a good guy. He has an incredibly poor judgment of character, though. He's an optimist, and optimists are stupid. So there you go. That being said, Sting Sting being shocked uh, because he is knocked out when the finish happens. You know, he's actually like supposed to be, you know, kayfabe passed out outside. Like he actually got hit. He's knocked out. He doesn't know how this finished, and he's shocked to find out that they won. It just adds to the legitimacy of his baby face. And I like that. It's a truly good storytelling s- segment. And as down on Luger as I've been, and, and obviously you've, you've heard me repeatedly say negative things about Luger, not necessarily negative, but just not, you know, super positive things about him. I think he's selling this really well. Like this is making me a fan of Luger. He is doing such a great job in this. I really liked it. He worked perfectly here. It got an A minus for me. When we started this, neither of us were real hot on Luger, right? Because we, we knew we knew a lot of the background stuff. Luger behind the scenes has some problems, but he's he's growing on us at least as an in ring talent, right, or a storyteller. And he's he's playing this off this kind of cheat to win thing well. And you know now we have the added kind of wrinkle that they're the tag team champions so even if stings like no you're kind of a bad guy i don't know if i want to associate with you anymore too bad you're tag team champions i thought that that was interesting what else is interesting though joseph is that after nitro you can watch a super bowl special isn't that exciting so exciting only only though if Sister Sherry and Colonel Robert Parker get married during it. They don't. They do not. 
I'm, I'm out then. But if you stay, but if you watch the whole Super Bowl thing, you can watch Burt Reynolds after in the film Semi Tough. Oh, I'm back in. You're back in. There you go. There you go. Wow. What a star studded night for the TNT Superstation. This is big. But you know what else is big, Joseph? What's that, Scott? The main event. It's not. There sure is. I, it's sure not. Is. It's not. I'm, I'm kidding. It's, it's one man gang. Versus Hulk Hogan. And he's the United States champion, the one-man gang. We talked about this. We don't know why or how. I do know why or how, but they didn't tell us. They didn't show us. It just happened. It was a dark match. He won the title, and now he's got the title. Okay. It's our main event. The belt is not on the line, though. Joseph, can you guess what happens? Uh, One-man gang being champ obviously prevails. Yeah. Hogan puts him over. You know, makes one man gang look great. He's a champion. That that's what you would do. No, Hulk Hogan defeats him three minutes. Remember when I said optimist or stupid? There we go. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't think I need to go into details about this. It, no, it, I mean it, it's it a is another leg match. Yeah, it is another Hogan match. No cells, comeback, leg drop, win. You got anything more you want to add to it, or should we talk about your your buddies, the Dungeon of Doom? No, I do. I do. I'll go into it a little bit. So I, I do have some notes here. They're, they're going to be pretty quick. My first note is that Sting spent so much time building up the legitimacy of the uber cool WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. And Hogan ruined it in one leg drop. That's my first note. Because this title is so cool. And Sting held it for a long time before he finally lost it. And it was going from... I don't know if I would say the most deserving champion to the most deserving champion, but you know, each person who held it, like it was staying relevant and it, it, this, now you just made it completely weak and useless. And what you've said basically is if you have this title, you are not a main eventer with this leg drop. One man gang never seemed to be a threat in this match in any capacity, which is sad because he is a big dude and he should have, if he's going to lose, make him look good on the way out. Part of the folly of Hogan is not that he isn't great. He is. His problem is his inability to not get in his own way. If Hogan approached WCW the way Sting did, WCW would be the major wrestling promotion in America, or at the very least, still standing today. That's a bold statement. Bold prediction. Let's get in our our DeLorean, go back, and see what happens. Tune in next week, where we where we report live from 1996 as we alter time. <laughs> but after the match, though, y- your buddies, the Dungeon of Doom come out, the Four Horsemen come out. Hulk Hogan, though, he holds them all off somehow. And then Randy Savage comes out, because Randy is a good guy. The Macho Man comes out to help his friend Hulk Hogan, even though Hulk Hogan... <laughs> Wants to stab him in the back so bad and steal his title. Randy Savage comes out and helps him. They hold everyone back. They hold the dungeon and the four horsemen at bay. Mean Gene joins him in the ring. And Hulk and Savage, well, Hulk talks about he going world heavyweight title match. He wants the title, blah, blah, blah. He, he won't stop. And then, oh, by the way, they got a match tomorrow, a tag team match together. And their secret weapons, they've got secret weapons, Joseph. They've got Miss Elizabeth's going to be making an appearance. 
and Kevin Green. What do you make of all of this? I hate it. These two men, as much as I love specifically much, and I do have a soft spot for Hogan, that's a lot of people to be holding off by yourselves. It really shouldn't work. I also don't like that they tell us what the surprise is. I I like to see the surprise when the surprise happens. Well, I'm so tired of this Hogan angle. Like, I don't understand how this is not a heel turn. Like, I mean, Hogan's not going to allow it, right? He, as we said again, he has creative control over his character. He's the face. He's the brand. You know, that was kind of a big thing when he joins the NWO. Spoiler alert. If you're listening to this, you probably know that happens. It's a big deal. It's really the first time Hogan ever turns heel, but there was a lot of, he had a lot of concern. His handlers had a lot of concern that it was going to destroy his marketability. And so Hogan does not go heel. But how is he not the heel in this situation? Hogan is a great marketer. I got to give a man credit where credit's due. He's a great marketer. He's a great salesman. He was on top of the game so long because of his marketability, knowing his audience, knowing what they wanted, knowing how to sell product. How does he look at this and not think he's the bad guy in this whole situation? Like this is this, th- these are dick moves that he's doing. He's just nonstop putting Randy Savage down. He, you know, Randy shouldn't really be the champion. Hulk should be the champion. His name is still on the title. How do you not look at this and say, heel Hogan equals ratings? Because he's got so much heat on him right now. And he doesn't even realize it. My, my literal job is to improve and change processes. So the number one thing that I have to deal with is people saying we've always done it this way. So I understand that that is a very difficult thing to break. And when they do, it's going to be just money coming in the door, but we're not there yet. Right now he's in denial right now. He's saying it. We've always done it this way and it will never work any other way. And you've frankly got Bischoff going. It's not working. We got to do something different. Bischoff has not taken control of booking. So they're just doing what they're doing. And, and, and we're seeing, we're, we're going to see in the next few weeks quite a few nitros that are not bad, but just a lot of the momentum that they kind of built in the first few months is starting to fade. We're done. WCW done. It's over. We're done, right? I think so. Just kidding, Joseph. Oh, we're not done. Got me. Yeah, I know. I fooled you, man. Because we got WWF Raw. January 22nd, 1996, the Stockton Civic Auditorium in Stockton, California. How do we start? Well, we start with Sonny. Sonny again is going to tell us that Raw contains material of a graphic nature. This time uh, we have her playing pool again in her nightgown. Vince must just really be hot on this. I wonder why. But, um, you know, I think really the only thing of a graphic nature is these pro these sunny promos. <laughs> what what well, do you then make- it's not a lie. It's not a lie, is it? I mean it's technically true. I mean, yeah, she she's making she's making the episodes of a graphic nature by sitting on this pool table in her nighty. You know, it's funny, you talk you talk about you're watching wrestling as a kid and you were only really allowed to watch wrestling if Hulk Hogan was on because he had such a reputation of being the eat your vegetables, brush your teeth you know, do your schoolwork, say your prayers, that kind of thing. Could you imagine if your mom let you tune in to an episode of WWF Raw and this is the first thing she sees? 
Yes, I could imagine, Scott. Yes, because I it could happened? imagine. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's a reason why I was only allowed to watch if Hogan was there. It's yeah, well, it's just I guess you know, this is obviously their beginning their turn into more adult content. But it's I mean, that's just a really that's a really tough transition, right? Because your program up to this point has been targeted at kids. And what are parents going to think about this? I mean, I'm not a parent and I watch this and I go, I don't like this. Like, I just, I should stop talking about it because I take so much time screaming about this every night. But what are we doing, Joseph? No, this is my favorite. Unhinged Scott is my favorite. I I didn't realize I was such a feminist until we started doing this podcast, man. (laughs) I just don't like the way they treat women on these things. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. It's it's bad, and it's going to stay bad. And unfortunately, we're just going to have to keep talking about how bad it is. It's okay. And honestly, I think that's good, right, to just point it out every time. It's It would be worse if we just ignored it. You can acknowledge the fact that she's very pretty without pimping her out like a prostitute you know like you you you, she can be pretty and also not just just be pretty yeah and they're not gonna figure that out for a long time no no this is gonna be like 30 years it's gonna get worse and you know tune in folks if you want to listen to my descent into madness because it's only gonna get worse i was i gotta tell you last Last night or something, last night, a couple weeks ago, I was doing some research on this and I looked up, I can't remember who it was, but one of the female wrestlers I was reading about, she won the woman's title. I was like, oh, how did she win it? Oh, she won it from Sable in a nightgown match. And I was like, oh, what is a night? I I remember the nightgown match, but I don't remember the premise (laughs) of the nightgown match. And I was like, what is that again? What is the premise? And it's to basically strip the nightgown off of your opponent. I said, Oh, we're going to be doing this a long time. Aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, Oh, the women's, the women's, I think they called it the women's revolution or evolution or something. They made a big marketing campaign for it. Didn't happen until 20, 20, I don't even think it was 2013, 2016, maybe somewhere around that means very recent, very recent in, in wrestling history, and it had and it be, it became a thing because we'll just go down to this. I'm, I don't mind going down this rabbit hole because this is this is cool shit. Strap it, in, everybody. We're going. Yeah. The uh, it, that started because in NXT, which at the time was exclusively run by by Hunter Hearst Helmsley, as we know and love him, Triple H, he had developed this amazing 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 women's division not saying there hadn't been amazing women's divisions prior to that the tna knockouts i'm not going to pretend that they didn't exist even though even though knockouts is a horrible name for your division but they had some amazing talent over there and did really good stuff with them but in wwe the first real wave of not just amazing female talent which has been spread out over the you know previous 20 years some great names but the first time that it was really, truly taken seriously as a division was in NXT, and it was by Triple H, and that's how you got Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks and Bailey and Becky Lynch, and now you've evolved to people like Rhea Ripley and Alexa Bliss and just so many, so many talented names, Bianca Belair, so many talented names now where when you see a women's match is 
whether it's a you know beginning of the card, middle of the card, or, or even the main event, you get excited for it now because you have, you know, you look at someone like Rhea Ripley, she's quite possibly the most talented person in WWE at this moment. And I think she's like 26. And I'm not saying she is the most, I'm saying quite possibly. So you can make it uh, many cases for many different people, but you have these phenomenal women and this, this phenomenal division, but that doesn't happen without, unfortunately, all this horrible, horrible stuff that we have to get through. But I think to pretend that it didn't happen, all these horrible things is far worse than us telling you, by the way, these things are horrible. Like if you get tired of, of, of hearing us say they're horrible, we get fucking tired of watching it. So deal with it. Like it's, it's important to look at it and say that was bad. So we don't ever have this happen again. Let's move on to greener pastures because we got a Vader match. We got Vader's inaugural raw appearance. We got Vader versus Savio Vega. Jim Cornette does an introduction, which I think is another great Cornette introduction. He tells us why we should be scared of Vader, why Vader is you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, why he's going to destroy everybody. Another great Cornette intro. And Vader does just that. He destroys poor Savio Vega. It's a three-minute match. I mean, Savio, he's in there for a while, but I think it's a squash match. It's a squash match. And then Vader just starts going to town. He goes after everyone. I mean, he well, he he keeps going at Savio. The refs come out to stop him. He goes after the refs. Cornette can't stop him. The man's on a rampage. It gets so bad that Gorilla Monsoon comes out, and then Gorilla Monsoon gets taken out. Whoa, Joseph. What do you make of all this? This, to me, is the best thing that happened in wrestling this week. I, I agree. I wish they had done more of this. I like this Vader angle. I mean, they kind of sell Vader, you know, they sell Vader as just this uncontrollable madman of just pure raw strength. But I don't feel like they do it as well as they did it right here, right now. Correct. This was great. Correct. It's a glorified squash, right? We know it's a squash match, but they you, you have someone like Savio Vega who rightfully has no chance to win this match, right? They've they've built Vader as this unstoppable behemoth right i think they call him the mastodon or something like that so they like that's that's his big thing he's not you know you can't defeat him and we really haven't to your point seen that really played up not only have we not seen it played up it would be one thing to just have him beat savio vega which i think would be a waste and would actually hurt savio vega more he doesn't just beat savio vega and beats the hell out of him afterwards and like you said he has all these people coming in. He's wasting all these other people. And what I love is Grilla Monsoon coming in as the, you know, the, the man he is supposed to be. I think he was the, the, the chairman or the vice president or something like that. Interim president, I believe. Thank you. Interim president. And so he's the one who makes the decisions and he comes out and says no. And then Vader gets in his face. And here's what I love the most about it is they give Grilla Monsoon a moment where Grilla Monsoon, Monsoon, sorry, starts just swinging at Vader because Vader starts threatening him and Grilla Monsoon's like, no, I'm going to stand up for myself, even though I know you can beat the crap out of me. And I love that. 
because you know it's not going to end well for him. And then Vader just goes off on him, and Jim Cornette is begging and pleading for him to stop, and he won't. And you get to see this unbelievable idea that neither company has explored yet. No, no one has tried this yet. WCW will very shortly, but really WWF beat them to the punch. It's so cool. It's executed perfectly. I love it. Yeah. It was unstoppable force done right. And you know, gorilla dead, they haul him out on a stretcher. It's over rest in peace. Gorilla monsoon. Whenever he was born to 1996 RIP. And it's not over because in the back, Vader's still going wild. He's uncontrollable. Even Cornette can't control him. He manhandles Jim Cornette. And then he looks us in the camera and he says it's him against everyone in the WWF, including Vince McMahon. But anyways... All you want to talk about is this next match. You just can't wait because it's got Razor Ramon and it's got Hunter Hearst Helmsley. We're shown again a reminder of, of the Ram- Razor Ramon Gold Dust feud and how one, two, three kid ruined everything, cost Razor the IC title. Razor just, he's ha- he's having a tough time here. He's lost the title. He's upset. The one, two, three kid is still around, still in his orbit, still causing him issues, but he's got to fight. He's got a match. We got to wrestle a match here, Joseph. And what happens? Joseph, what, I'm going to let you tell us what happens because I know you like this angle. Tell me more. Tell me what happens. Razor Ramon loses. And it's due to one, two, three kid. And I hate it. I hate every moment of it. And it got a C minus for me because it technically progresses a storyline that I'm sick of seeing. And I hate it. But how does he do it? How does he do it? This is important. Do you want me to say? Do you remember? You got to take this. You got to take this. He shoves a baby bottle in Razor's mouth. I know you love this. And it's going to lead to a horrible idea of a match. You're excited. I can hear it. I can hear the excitement in your voice and how and how much you talk about it. I know when you like something, you, you talk about it a lot. You get really excited. You talk about it. And you just you said so much about this. All six words that came out of your mouth. <laughs> it's uh, it's great. It's great. It's one. No, it's awful. It was an eight minute match. The match itself was match is fine. Yes. Good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, and Razor Ramon, good guys, good match. But I knew that finish. It results in it. So Razor loses via countout because after the baby bottle thing, he he goes after Kid. Loses on a countout. Hunter Hearst Helmsley wins. And I knew you would have thoughts. So thank you for not disappointing me. I appreciate that. I do it for you, Scott. After that, though, because the fun doesn't stop, Joseph. We just keep rolling, and we roll right into a billionaire Ted's wrestling war room. I think they probably have gotten a cease and desist order at this point because they tell us that it's presented for comedic purposes. Vince notes that. So I, I think I think, I think we might be getting some, some lawyers involved here. It's awful. What did you think about it, Joseph? My note here is, yo, Doc Hendricks has a ban, 
listening to them play was a more valuable use of time than billionaire Ted. It got an F. Yeah, Doc Hendricks, right? He got a band. And they cut to him a lot over the next few weeks. And I'm kind of like, why wasn't this just your thing? Why is this your thing? Been, yeah. yeah, this would have been yeah. so much fun. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even remember what's said in this particular billionaire Ted because they all just kind of jumbled together. I just watched some ones today that I was just like, I was laughing at not because they're funny, but because of like the audacity behind them. And they're just, it's just a blend. We haven't gone to the press conference yet, right? I don't believe so. Okay. Cause the press conference is when it really gets off the rails. That's definitely coming in the next few weeks. Yeah, no, so, no. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember now what you're talking about. No, we have not gotten there yet. Yeah. That that's when they might actually start doing things that are illegal. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so right, right now we haven't reached that, but they're just, these are absurd and not in the good way. They're, they are meant with malice and ill intent. They're just bad. This one, to, to give you a reminder, is Ted Turner wants new ideas. He needs new big ideas because you know they, they can't beat these WWF guys. They're too good, this new generation of talent. And Scheme Gene's idea is a hotline because, man, what a you know hotline. What a stupid idea. I'm glad WWF never does that. That sounds like sarcasm. Yeah, because they, they do it. They do it. And they do it to the hilt. By the I, way, I, by the way, Mean Gene used to do that for them. Yeah, but it's different now. Gotcha. Because he's doing it for a competitor, so it's not okay. Yeah. But let's get to something better, Joseph. Let's get to something that you're going to want to talk about. Okay, let's do we it. We got Shawn Michaels. Wow, you didn't swerve me this time. You actually meant it. No, no, you actually like, I, I, I hear, as I understand it, you like Shawn Michaels. I've been known to partake in a few Shawn Michaels matches or segments, correct? I have heard. I have heard. And so Vince McMahon brings Shawn out for an interview. That 12-year-old boy's dream may become a reality. He's He checked the Royal Rumble off his list, and now he's ready for WrestleMania 12. But before that, he's got some things to settle with a man by the name of Owen Hart, if you remember, Owen Hart has claimed that he put Shawn Michaels out of action. Shawn Michaels was attacked by a gang of thugs in Syracuse, New York. He says that's why he was out, not Owen. But if you recall, Shawn came back, came back too early. In a match with Owen, he collapsed. So Owen says, no, 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 it was me. But Jim Cornette comes down and he says, well, Let's settle this. Sean says he would give anything in the world, anything to go at Owen Hart. Mistake. You do not say that to Jim Cornette. He is a snake. And he says, oh, really? What about the title shot at WrestleMania 12? Sean says, yes. Whoa, Joseph. We got a Sean versus Owen match at In Your House for the WWF title shot at WrestleMania 12. And then Sean throws Cornette out of the ring. It's great. What do you think? Scott, you might be surprised to discover that I loved this and it got an A for me. This was good. I mean, Jim Cornette's great. Shawn Michaels is great. Them together was great. It was good. But I know you have more to say than that. Let I, loose. I do. I, I you know, Not too much because I think, I think we're both going to kind of have a lot of the same points, but a few weeks ago, Sean, it might have even been last week. I can't remember. Sean cut a promo that we both agreed wasn't great. It was like phoning it in. It was just kind of, 
you know, whatever. It was leading up to the Royal Rumble. It was just kind of, eh, you know, nothing, nothing to write home about and very kind of, you know, hamming it up. It was just not great. This promo is so much better. Obviously, Cornette's great in it, but we get to see a lot of fire from Sean that we have not seen in the past, really due to real events, which to me, if you can find a way to make real events work within your storyline, it's always going to be a lot better. HBK calling out Owen Hart while he waits for his WrestleMania match because he can't have this match for another, you know two months, so he's got to do something in the meantime. This is a great use of time. And I don't know who who made the call on this. I don't know who was behind this, but whoever was like, hey, we should have Owen for weeks talk about how he's the one who injured him, and then we can put Shawn Michaels in this match at WrestleMania, and while he's waiting for this match, we can have Shawn Michaels and Owen feud. Whoever made that call, if they had the foresight to do this as a long-term booking thing, brilliant. I don't know if they did it on purpose or accidentally, but it was brilliant. You're right, Jim Cornette perfectly calls out HBK and gets him, kind of tricks him into giving up this title match opportunity at In Your House. They have great chemistry together. They honestly work really well together uh, while they were talking in the ring, much like Owen and, and HBK have great chemistry when they're wrestling in the ring. Jim Cornette and HBK have great chemistry doing it out on the mics. I love that Cornette backed Sean into the corner with this kind of stipulation and it's really cool to watch Sean kind of answer the call. It's a great face move. It really helps establish this baby face character that he's had that he has now because he has been in the last year, he was a heel for quite some time and then became a baby face. So this really does a good job to put him over and give him a meaningful feud. I loved it. I agree. I don't have really anything more to say and I, I think I said it before. It's Shawn Michaels. It's Jim Cornette. It's going to be good. He certainly, yeah, Shawn Michaels certainly picked it up from his kind of phoning it in performance from last week, a couple weeks ago. I can't remember when it was. But yeah, this is much, much better. But now we're to our main event, Joseph. We've got the WWF World Champion Bret Hart versus the Inter continental champion the newly crowned intercontinental champion after defeating razor ramon at the royal rumble ic champion gold with marlena and they're gonna have it out neither title is on the line during the entrance gold dust shows up on split screen to tell us that his win was an oscar winning performance but he wants more gold. He wants Bret Hart's title. They go at it. It's a great match. Goldust, though, has enough. That Bret Hart, he's pretty good. He's a pretty good technical wrestler. And Goldust says, nah, I think I'm good. I'm going to head out. I'm going to head out. But Razor stops him. He beats Goldust ass and throws him in back into the ring bret hart gets him in a sharp shooter for the win 10 minutes 58 seconds what did you think about everything going on here i gave this a c plus i was not in love with it i didn't hate it by any stretch it's not bad by any stretch but the things that kind of confuse me the match itself is fine the match itself is fine but i don't like 
what's going on with Razor right now. Who is he feuding with? He's feuding with two different wrestlers who have two completely different objectives. Their objectives are not aligned, so it doesn't make sense why he's feuding with both of them. And you have this situation where you desperately, as WWF, you desperately need to build new stars. They keep talking about the new generation. You got like four guys that people care about. You need to build new talent. And you're having Razor in a feud with two different people. And you're wasting airtime with too much Razor. I mean, there's no real such thing as too much Razor. Razor's fantastic. But you're not really doing anything for either person. It doesn't really make any sense to me. I'm kind of over it. I do love the WWF champion versus the intercontinental champion type matches that they'll do once in a while where neither belt is on the line. It's kind of bragging rights. I love that. I love when they do that. WWF does that a lot. Well, not a lot. They do it regularly enough. You'll probably see it like once a year. It's a lot of fun. I also think that Bret Hart does a pretty decent job on the mic after the match. He cuts a promo and he talks about the fact that his fans were robbed of a clear decision, which is true, but, or rather, but correct insinuates that he would have won that match. And I got to disagree with him. He got tombstone in the middle of the ring. And the only reason he didn't lose the match is because diesel interfered. So like, dude, you, you got got man. You, you had no chance of winning that match. Well, look who got ahead of himself. I was talking about the match, and now you're talking about the aftermatch. You're completely running over my train of thought here. <laughs> but you're right. Well, I, I guess I disagree with you on the match. I think you gave it a C. I would give it a fine on my grading scale. Overall, like I said, I thought it was fine. I, Bret Hart, Goldust, they're good wrestlers. They're going to wrestle a good match. I, I, li- I like the Goldust when he like leaves. I enjoy, I enjoy that kind of stuff that Ric Flair does that sort of thing too. I like that kind of stuff where you're just like, you know what? This is just, this is not what I bargained for. I'm heading out. I like that stuff. You know, Brett had to win because we're trying, because we're trying to build him up. Well, I guess that's the, I guess maybe that is the problem though, right? Because you're trying to build both these guys up, but one of them has to win. Brett, I mean, despite the razor interference, Brett wins clean. He, he wins with the sharpshooter. But the important thing is we're hyping the match between Diesel and Brett. It's going to be a cage match at In Your House because they're going to settle this once and for all. No excuses. None of, you know, he says that Diesel whines about the establishment and all that and trying to change him. Putting it all, we're putting that all outside. You're going to settle it like men in the cage. I thought that was a pretty good promo from Brett. I like when Brett just tells you what he's going to do, right? When he doesn't try to get clever or anything brett just kind of like he's a wrestler you know in in the ring he's just he's a straight shooter he may he might even be a sharp shooter (laughs) i think you mean he's a scorpion deathlock no no we are gonna get so many letters (laughs) he's just he's he's just straight up right you know and i like when brett is like that here's what i'm gonna do and why i'm gonna do it done easy Keep it short. Keep it simple. Good. That's a good Bret Hart promo. I liked it. I liked it. He also promises Taker a rematch, right? Because he says Diesel was unfair. Diesel's interference was unfair to you. And I'm good guy Bret Hart. But you know how Bret ends it, Joseph? How's that, Scott? 
he tells us that he's deadly in a cage. And that's the end of the night. Overall, what did you think? I liked it. This is probably one of the better Raws that we've seen in a while. Outside of like the, you know, Scheme Gene and Billionaire Ted stuff, I really enjoyed most of this. Yeah, I thought the matches were pretty good. I, you know, I think all of them advance a story, even if it's not necessarily the story we like. I mean, I think the Vader thing we really liked, right? That, that advanced a story that Vader is this unstoppable behemoth done really well. The Triple H Razor Ramon match continues the one, two, three kid storyline. We don't, we're done with the one, two, three kid storyline, but it does tell a story. There's a story there. And this Bret Hart Goldust match tells a story. It keeps the feud going with Goldust and Razor. So Goldust gets something out of it. And Bret gets something out of it too, right? It's to really kind of to put Bret over to set him up for his diesel cage match at In Your House. I think it all served a purpose. It all made sense. Yeah, there were some ancillary things, the sunny things. I wish would they would stop. The billionaire Ted things, I wish they would stop. They're not going to stop for a while. But overall, pretty good. But was it better than WCW, Joseph? So I, I looked back at my ratings. I gave this a B minus, and I gave WCW Nitro a B minus as well. So they kind of tied. I'm going to squeak it out and give it to Raw here because – even though the billionaire Ted stuff is annoying, even though the signing stuff is annoying from a storyline standpoint, I at least enjoyed a lot more of what was going on. And I didn't have really the Hogan stuff really making me upset, but just, just, just by a hair, give it to raw on this one. I think I'm going to agree with you and you're right. There's stuff we didn't like and wrong. We didn't like the, you know, sunny stuff, billionaire Ted stuff that we've talked about, but there's, but there were vignettes and things we didn't like in WCW, the Hogan stuff was throughout the night, and we didn't like it. We don't like the Hogan stuff whining. The the main event, Hogan versus one man gang, where Hogan does where we have a Hogan match, a three minute Hogan match, left a bad taste in my mouth. I thought all of the matches on Raw pretty solid, and I'm not in. They both had vignettes I didn't like, so I think I break for Raw tonight. But what did the viewers think, Joseph? What are the ratings on this? So the Nielsen for Raw right after Royal Rumble actually had a bump. It went up to 2.9. And WCW Nitro, 2.7. Raw wins this one. The fans agree with us tonight. Hell yeah. They should agree with us every night. Yeah, but then that wouldn't be fun. If everybody just agreed with everybody, then you wouldn't have wrestling forums where everybody was like, this is bullshit. This, you know. There's no way that this should be happening. Why is Roman Reigns still champion? I mean, that is a good question, but we'll save that for another night. At some point, if we if we don't lose our sanity, at some point, we're going to get the Roman Reigns. Because I think our plan is to do this for as long as we can. We're going to do the Monday Night Wars, and then we probably will do the brand wars. And we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves and make you all promises that we can't keep. But that's the goal. The yeah, goal is to keep going I, until we hate our lives so much we never want to do this again. Yeah, we may have spin-off things that we do just to, to kind of break the the monotony. But I think I think for sure we're probably going to do this in the brand. I don't know if we're going to go past that. We we because we may find like we enjoy doing the uh, the things that are in the past. So we we may go old school, or we may go to ECW or TNA or whatever. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Very exciting. I can't wait. Well, you're going to have to. Until next time, everybody. I'm Scott. With me is Joseph. Have a good night. Bye, guys.
Hey everybody, it's Joseph. Did you like this podcast? Well, we hope that you did, and also that you join us every Monday for new episodes. You can listen to us on Spotify, and soon we'll explore other platforms to bring you episodes of the Monday Night Wars. Did you listen to this podcast and think, hmm, pretty sure they're wrong about that? Well, let us know. You can email us at mnwpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's mnwpodcast at gmail.com. And correct anything we messed up. Don't worry, you won't bruise our egos. You can also give us suggestions, follow the show, or even just reach out to us on the following platforms. On Twitter, you can reach us at M-O-N Night Wars Pod. Again, M-O-N Night Wars Pod. And on Instagram and Facebook, you can reach us at Monday Night Wars Podcast. And finally, if you feel like supporting this podcast and also getting bonus content, you can follow us on Patreon at Monday Night Wars Podcast. For the low price of $2 a month, you get every episode of the Monday Night Wars and also every breakdown of every WCW and WWF pay-per-view during this era with more content to come. Again, and one last time, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. We'll see you next Monday back here on the Monday Night Wars podcast. All right, we are recording. I'm going to mute and then we'll start. We'll start it up with Nitro January 22nd. 1996 i gotta remember in my head 1996 because i want to say 1995 so bad because we've been saying it for so long but uh and hey, i just bought alan wake <sighs> why are you doing this every every single podcast today is going to have a blooper at the end where you talk about how you just bought alan wake <laughs> just like four weeks <laughs> like the, we know just fucking play the game yeah. already also alan wake is one of my favorite games of all time I, I know it is. That's why I told you. Yeah. It's if if you like um if you like like Twilight Zone, if you like X-Files, if you like Twin Peaks, you're going to like Alan Wake. It's a really it's a really good game. I'm really upset that Alan Wake 2 is an Epic exclusive. Epic is I don't know if they're I don't think the PS5, bro. I I guess I have to because you can only buy it on the Epic Store on computer and I don't I hate that model. I hate that exclusivity model like that, where like you have to go to a specific place to buy. Because I like I like Steam because my games are all in a central location. It's very easy. I don't have to go. Where do I have that game? Okay, I gotta go boot up that stupid app and you know play my one game I have on it. And I just it just I don't like it. I don't like it. And this has turned into a video game podcast. And so thanks for joining us, everybody. <laughs> We'd probably have a great video game podcast if we wanted to. Yeah. I mean, we could do a play together where we play through a game. And oh, that'd be fun. That. Yeah. That'd be fun. But you got to get a PS5 first. So I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as soon as I get one, the PS6 will come out. That's how that works. No, it's not until 2028. So. Oh, okay. So I got some time is what you're saying. All right. yeah, yeah. Well, my PS2. Is, it, is there a way? Because my PS2 doesn't work anymore, so it's, I think it's just time to get rid of it. Yeah. Um, is there a way to play? I know they don't do it. You can't really play it. They don't really have backwards compatibility anymore. But is there a way to make it work? Can I play PS2 games on a PS5? I mean, I'd have to get the one with the disc drive. But is, you know, is there some way you can finagle it. Is there some off the book? I'm kind sure. Of thing? I'm sure you could get a broken PS5, but I, I, I'm not exactly sure how that works. Okay. 
I'd really like to play my old PS2 games. I got some. I got some bangers on there, man. Just get an old PS2 and, and get a new PS5. I only have shelf space for four gaming systems. What you got on there so far? I got the SNES. Okay. I got the Nintendo 64. Okay, that's two. I got the PS2. Well, you no, you don't because it doesn't fucking work. That's true. So we take that slot out. Yeah. Then, I, but then I got a, but then I have an Xbox 360. So I only got one extra slot. And how am I going to get a PS5 and a PS2 in that one slot, man? You got to think about this. Is it is it a is it a side to side slot or is it up and down? Side to side. Hmm. Hmm. You could wall mount your PlayStation. That that's not that's not going to fly. I don't even know why you suggested such a thing. You got to think things through, my friend. What are you thinking? On what planet is that going to fly? Claire, I did a thing. Yeah. What are you even thinking? Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'll see about it. I'll see. I really don't play console that much, though. I'm really more of a hood with us. That's true. I mean, we just got to get some, we just got to get these, these uh, cross play kind of games. Like I have to get No Man's Sky at some point because I see you guys play that and that is cross compatible. You can play. I can yeah, play I haven't played too. it too much lately, but yeah. That seems like a game I'd actually like. Like I, I'm not a big, like I don't, I got to be honest with you. I don't really like Call of Duty. I just like playing with you guys. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's, but I feel like that's a game I'd actually like. So to be, to be fair, we're all kind of burnt out, except for except for Jamie. Jamie's the only one who actually really wants to play Call of Duty a lot. But but me and Ben are kind of burnt on it at this point. So we're looking for alternatives. I tried I tried Baldur's Gate three, tried that, and Jamie immediately hated it. And I was like, okay, well I guess that's not going to happen. So just deleted that game off my. Glad, glad I paid $69 for that shit. Keep it. Keep it in your archive because well, it's they, in my archive. Yeah, they swear they claim they're working on crossplay. They haven't given a date for it, but they claim they're working on crossplay. And once that happens, bro, I'll buy it. We'll go. We'll go to town. We'll, we'll, we'll get our we'll get a little fellowship going. We can there you, go. you Ben, me, maybe even your brother. <laughs> Let's not go that far. We, I mean, we, we can have two chats going. He'll, one- he'll only play once every six months. And we're like, bro, we got it. We got to do it though. We got to go. We got to go kill this thing. He's like, yeah, but you know, he's so salty about losing. So salty. Meanwhile, I'm ninth place. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Just like. <laughs> For everybody on our video game podcast, we're now talking about fantasy football. So it's become a fantasy football yeah. podcast. So this is the free wheeling podcast. Okay. <laughs> this is Joe. This is Joseph and Scott talk about. That's the new name of this podcast. <laughs> Anyways, we can't put this stuff on the. We can't put this in the commentary track because we're talking shit with your brother. But uh, but you know. <laughs> We gotta cut this. He doesn't listen to our podcast. Doesn't matter, man. That's brotherly love. That's brotherly love. No, no, actually, that's on Raw. I'm sorry. (laughs) My mistake. All right, you ready? Yep. 